beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord. I was so happy last night and this morning to check the weather and find the, the air index and find it excellent. Isn't that great after what we've been through? My goodness. Take a deep breath and feel like you're not going to scar your lungs. So we give thanks to God for the clearing of our air. Evil has been trying to take down the church from the very start. And we can see it continuing today. There's a line from a movie, The Gladiator, control the mob and you control Rome. If I were to take down the church, I wouldn't do it from a direct attack. As we can see, that hasn't worked. But I will come in through the back door. I will hit people where they live, in their homes. Control the mob. Well, how do we control the mob? Well, we see what's happening. We incite them to envy. Let them get them envious of the others. Maybe it's between classes or whatever. And then let's fan the envy with rage. And once we've done that, we begin to gather a group who we can see has no faith in God, does not believe in God. Therefore, they don't believe in a soul. They don't believe in an afterlife. They don't believe in between that there is good and evil. There's just whatever I deem is right. And so any means to promote my ideology is fair game. So I gather this group, and I incite them, and I get them all riled up and lathered. And then anybody who does not fall into line with my group, I'm going to use another tactic. I'm going to use shame. I'm going to dehumanize you. I'm going to not just call you names, but I'm going to attack you. I'm going to make you feel less than human, subhuman, that the beasts in the field have more value than you. And then maybe I can change you. If not, you mean nothing to me. I will destroy you. And move on to the next. We can see this happening around us. This shaming that's taking place. Making people feel less than human. Because there's no belief in God, I can do anything I want. I can lock up people in a station Put some men around it, try to burn them. I can lock up a dad and son in another part of the country, the same thing. I will shame them to get them to follow my line. Well, this is nothing new. Jesus was shamed in his life. In the time of his birth, his shaming began when they wanted to kill him as an infant showing that he was less than human, that I have the power over him. And if I have power over you, you're less than human because I am human. I don't believe in God, therefore I can dictate what I deem is right and everyone else who's weaker than me must follow. When we see Jesus, we see that his people didn't accept him. He was betrayed with a kiss by a friend and his disciples abandoned him. And yet he remained faithful through it all to his father's will. Now the leaders would try all kinds of shaming. They found that arguing with him, reasoning with him didn't work. 
So they started calling him the devil, that he casts out demons by the prince of demons. If that didn't work, they tried to go to his disciples and say, hey, why doesn't your master do this like we do? They tried to coerce him from that direction. And when that part didn't work, that kind of shaming didn't work, then they resorted to violence. And as I've said many times, passion, when it's let to run amok, unrestrained, leads to murder. And we see even in that course that some of the people might not have wanted to kill him. Pilate certainly didn't want to have Jesus crucified. So what did they do? They incited a mob. They got them riled up. Got them envious. We want Jesus, not our Barabbas, not Jesus. And it led to murder. But Jesus knew who he was, who his father was, and what his mission was. And he stayed true to it to the end and brought about the salvation that the Father had willed for you and I. St. Paul, the same thing. He endured all kinds of things, but he remained faithful in who he was and his relationship to Christ and what his goal in life was, what he was called to be. And of course, this happened with the apostles and has happened with all the saints throughout the ages. Even in the points of the gulags and the concentration camps throughout the world, the re-education camps. Throughout the world, even today, there is lots of shaming going on. Trying to make you less than human so that it can change you. But what was it that they had in the gulags in the concentration camps and elsewhere, that they were able to remain faithful? They had a strong identity of who they were. Yes, sticks and stones may break my bones, and you can throw all the insults and names at me you want, but if I know who I am, then I can find peace through it all. It won't stop the stone, it won't stop the lash, it won't stop the name-calling. But I will know who I am, and I will have my center and my peace through the thick of it. We are called to remain faithful in our Christian life. But that requires us to have an absolute conviction of who Christ is, and our relationship to Him. That we are baptized into Christ. We are another Christ. Christ dwells within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we hang on to this, we will not lose our faith. Jesus says, whoever wishes to, to follow me must pick up his cross. We must be willing to lose our lives in order to gain it. In order to stay faithful to that requires the firm conviction that I am Christian. That's who I am. And who I am dictates how I live my life. In whatever position I find myself in at each moment of the day. The mob is going wild out there. 
And for the most part, we've been buff, we've been buff, have a buffer through the media. But one day we might find ourselves bumping up against it itself. Maybe at the own front door. And this is how we're going to have to get through it, is we're going to have to remember who we are and not let ourselves get riled up, not let ourselves get filled with anxiety and fear and worry. If we believe that Jesus is the Word of God in the flesh, that I am baptized in Him, that He lives in me, then I believe with absolute certainty that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It will not happen. Yes, numbers may get small, but the church will remain. There will be a remnant. And of course, that will cause agitation even more to the greater world. But we believe there is a God. We believe we have a soul. We believe that there is immortal life, life after death. We believe in right and wrong. Therefore, it does matter what we do to others. We're to treat others, whether they harm us or not, with respect. Return a blessing with, from a curse. When you receive a curse, give a blessing, Jesus says. Turn the other cheek, if you will. And yes, we may get overrun. They say, I got to fight fire with fire, Father, evil with evil. I got go, to go at it. Jesus did not call legions of angels to save him from the cross. He didn't do it, did he? He told Pilate that. I could, but this is not my world. And so we can't be looking, as I've said before, for utopia here in this life. What we need to be looking for is a strong, faith-filled life where we begin to grow in holiness and use this world around us and the difficulties we have as the grindstone by the means of which we grow in that holiness. The means by which we grow in deification. Because that's what we're called to. We know there is meaning in life. And that should give us joy and hope in the thick of it all. And then we have to be reminded of our mission as church. And I'm not talking church as institution. I'm talking church as each and every one of us gathered here. That we are to go out and baptize all nations. Teach them everything Jesus commanded them to commanded us to do, that we are to live our life as He taught us to live, to be faithful. That's what we're called to do through all of this. If we keep our nose to the grindstone, doing the work we're called to do, it might save some soul somewhere who's watching and hungering for truth. And if they see us living our life with conviction and not being blown around by the winds of the mob, that could be one soul. And that could be worth all that we endure to save one soul. The one soul might have the experience of feeling the infinite love and forgiveness of Christ. Let not shame dissuade you. Let it not bring you to fear. Understand the problem, what's happening around us. That's important. Read about it. Study about it. 
Why are we in the mess we're in? What was this, the foundation of it? Once you can name it, it no longer has power over you. Now you are in a posture of starting to pray for them. Not out of anger, but out of sorrow of heart for what they have become. They have failed to be who God has called them to be. They're missing so much of life and living their life filled with envy and rage that they themselves truly are the ones that become less than human. So let us remain faithful. Let us know who we are without the slightest doubt. And then let us live our lives based on what we believe and what we profess. This is what we're called to do. Day in and day out, in season and in out of season. We're not to lose our flavor of the salt. We're to remain faithful, faith-filled, and sharing that love and joy and peace with those around us. Even the manner of life you live when you're not thinking about it should reflect the confidence of the God you believe in. You will find peace in your own hearts if you do it. And you will bring peace to the hearts of those around you. Let us be faithful. Let us pick up our cross and follow Christ. Let us die to ourselves and live for Him. And then we will have eternal life. And God willing, we will bring others along with us that they may experience the same joy and the same peace that awaits us in the heavenly kingdom.